And welcome into another edition of the Producers Podcast here at 104.3 The Fan. I am Dante Gomez. Joined with me is Colin Zanker. Yes, sir. Today we're going to be getting into a little bit of the Broncos coaching hires. Uh, it is currently January 26th and finally have our first coaching hire today. Uh, the Who was it? The Panthers? Panthers, Panthers bring in Frank Reich, former Indiana, Indiana Indianapolis Colts. Yes. Um, head coach was there for you know better part of a decade. Went to the playoffs a lot. Won the AFC South. Mixed in there. He spanned you know Andrew Luck onto this you know from the Andrew Luck era to you know this last season when he got fired. You know I don't know how many games in, but a few. Yeah, d- didn't make it quite you know to the end of the season this year. Um, and then we're gonna hop into a little bit of Nuggets Avs, uh, maybe a little playoff preview for those guys, and then got a big weekend of. NFL playoffs ahead of us, conference championship weekend, and Super Bowl right around the corner. That's what you can expect in today's episode, but uh, we'll get going with the Broncos coaching. Um, Like I said, it is January 26th, and we currently have no head coach for the Denver Broncos. That date alone, does that concern you, that it's this late in the process and we don't have an answer? Concern isn't really the right word. One of the things that I feel like for the Broncos is as they're going through this coaching search and looking for the next leader of this team, is that they get their guy, and they get the right guy. One of the problems with the Broncos has has been like quarterback, and I know everyone was pining for you know them to draft a quarterback when Sertan got drafted, but I've always been one to say is that if it's not your guy, if you're just choosing a quarterback because it's a quarterback or that position, why are you feeling? And that's how I feel with this coaching search. If you're just choosing a coach to choose a coach to have a coach, then why are you doing that? It's a wasted, wasted option and a wasted year. I believe that the Broncos did select Nathaniel Hackett as their coach in hopes of getting one Aaron Rodgers here in Denver. And that was kind of the path they were hoping to go down. But the way they've narrowed it down, the way the names that have gone off the list it's kind of taken a turn for what are they doing? Like, what is their direction? Because there was all the rumors about them not wanting a first-time head coach, and now it seems like that's where they're what they're going to do. That's, you know, odds-on favorite to be the head coach is a first-time head coach uh, in Ryan's from uh, San Francisco. So where are they going? So more concerned on the direction versus the timetable. Yeah, timetable. There's still plenty. There's still plenty to go. They have scout. George Payton can go out to all the shrine or to the all the games, whether it be the Shrine game, um, all the college you know college games that are happening. He can go out and watch these guys. That's not an issue. But as if we get cl- too close to the draft, obviously there, there's no reason why this should really bleed late into February after the Super Bowl. You know, it will take after the Super Bowl if it is Ryan's. So. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure. Does that, is that how that works? If they're if they're hiring a coach that's still in the playoffs, they wait till they're completely done to officially name him. No, it can be announced beforehand. I just I don't think that the way that San Francisco is run that they're going to let that type of news get out. It doesn't feel like that's something that would happen there because they're not an organization that likes all the outside noise. I mean, it could slip out, but also with how tightly knit all of the news has been recently, everyone's been mum. So it's kind of tough. Tough to see. And for me, one thing that I, I would like to see if it was a past or someone who has coaching experience. 
I guess I should say, the one thing I would like to see the Broncos do is would we give a guy a second chance who might not have fared so well, and my name on that list was Raheem Morris. I think that we've talked about failures in coaches their first times and not wanting a first-time coach because of that, but a guy like Raheem Morris has a, you know, can have a fire from learning from his first mistakes. So I don't know where you sit on that list or who you feel like the Broncos should go go around and look at, but that's been kind of the guy that I think has been not talked about enough or you know might not even have a shot with the Broncos, but it was a name that <clears throat> I liked just simply for the fact that he, he should have a bigger fire burning right now to get a second opportunity and do things differently and hopefully better than his first time. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think it's kind of like the quarterback situation where the Broncos kind of found out the hard way. You don't get a great head coach that's already been a head coach in the prime of his career most of the time. That just doesn't happen. Off the top of my head, I think the only one I could really think of is Andy Reid going to the Chiefs. Yeah. I Other than that, I can't really think of a scenario where you get an experienced head coach that's done it and done well, and then you get in a new franchise with it. That doesn't really happen. That doesn't really, you know grow on trees or whatever the, the saying is there. So I think going down the first-time head coach route isn't necessarily a negative. I no. really don't. I think that, you know, if you want some – every every head coach has to start somewhere being a first-time head coach. And especially nowadays where, you know, I feel like back in the day it was really just the retread, retread, retread. Like, you know, Bill Belichick was with like three different franchises before he was the Patriots head coach. You know, guys like that, they did kind of hop around and do that. I feel like now you don't really get those kind of opportunities. It's like you got to make the most out of it in your first time or you're going to be considered one of those guys that, you know, hey, I don't know if you can get it done. I don't know if you're that guy. So, Well, and even with that, if you look back at what happened this year with like a Mike McDaniel in Miami, I mean, these rookie coaches have had success. And not everyone's going to be successful. But also just because you fail at something, it doesn't mean you shouldn't try again. Just because, you know, you – if you drove and got in a minor fender bender, it doesn't mean you never drive again for the rest of your life because that went bad one time or two times. Things happen, and you have to try. Maybe try a different approach, though. You know, Maybe you're a little bit more cautious when you're driving in the future. Things like that. It just doesn't mean you completely stop and take that idea away. The only other name that, that came to mind when you said that was a Bill Parcells, but Bill Parcells more wore out his welcome in places. Yeah, that, <laughs> I, think I think that's think a that's, different uh, scenario. and I think That's much different than Andy Reid. Exactly. I think Andy Reid didn't quite wear out his welcome, but the, the message got stale at some point where it's like you've done it, you've been here, and we kind of you know hit our ceiling as far as what you can do in this franchise. And sometimes you just need a new voice. That happens a lot in sports where, um, you know, I think Mike Zimmer almost ran into the same deal where it's like, he didn't do a bad job necessarily. I think he's just the message ran out. You've run your course, and it's just time for a new voice in the in you know in the uh, in the locker room at that point. So, I I actually tend to think coaches do better their second time around in yeah. their in their franchises for the most part. If you, I'm pretty sure statistically that you know follows as well, where coaches actually do do better in their second go around. I mean, who wouldn't like any second opportunity you're going to get is going to you know you learn from the first hopefully, and you know hopefully you can you know kind of figure out. Hey, this is what went wrong. This is what I did well. This is what I can lean into. I can, you know, trust my coaches more. Whatever it is, um, I just feel like you know their second go around. Most of the time, coaches and again, not coaches in alone. I think that's almost any profession. Your second go around, you just kind of figure it out more. Yeah, yeah, and even going back in in Broncos history, I mean, Mike Shanahan. Shanahan is one of those guys who had a chance didn't do well and had another opportunity in Denver and blew up. I mean, obviously helps when you have a you know, Hall of Fame, Hall of Famers all over the field. But either way, 
you learn from mistakes. And it's just like you said, you, you typically do better the second time because you don't want to screw up and do the same thing over and over. You know, exactly. You learn insane. from your – yes, exactly. You learn from your mistakes. So going back, you asked me who my guys were. So at the beginning of the you know opening here, I had two guys at the top of my list. I had Dan Quinn, D'Amico Ryans. You know, now we sit here, D'Amico Ryan's looking like a pretty good name. So pretty happy with that uh, pick I had there. I think the Broncos need a hard-nosed guy, which I think both of those names fit into. A hard-nosed, defensive-minded, you know, going to hold everybody accountable. I think that's, you know, a little bit of tough love is what this franchise needs at this point. I think both of those guys can bring that. You know, Dan Quinn does have the experience a little bit. That's why I kind of leaned more Dan Quinn over D'Amico Ryan's. But D'Amico Ryan's was my number two at the time. I think Dan Quinn, you know, he was a great coordinator in Seattle. He's been a great coordinator with Dallas now. He had a decent run in Atlanta as head coach. So I think he kind of fits all those, you know, things that you'd want on a head coaching list. You know, it seems like he's kind of out in, out, out of the running at this point, from yeah, what I've it heard. it actually did just come out that he's staying in Dallas. Oh, he's staying in Dallas, it so just, he's not taking any job. It just came out. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, as good as Quinn would be, I agreed with that. It's Yeah, he's... He's staying in Dallas. Okay, I thought maybe he was still looking at like Indy or some other job. Okay, wow, so he's staying in Dallas. You know, I if I'm Dallas, I'm happy with that move. If you can bring back him and Kellen Moore again, I, I'll never admit Mike McCarthy's a good coach, but if you can keep those two coordinators in place, that's why they've had success in my brain because Mike McCarthy's a big dumb-dumb, and the fact that they are you know continually in the playoffs with this guy, you know, I think it speaks more to the coordinators than it does Mike McCarthy. So well, good is, for Dallas. It is funny you say that because that's the biggest thing with bringing in if it is – uh, Ryan's that comes here, it's who you bring with you. What happened with this last regime, it was a bunch of people who had never had this job before. They had never dealt with this specific position. And so if he can bring in, the put the right people in place, then this organization can be successful. Like you said, with Quinn and uh, Moore in, in Dallas, McCarthy, he's going to make his mistakes. But he's got some good people backing him up. Can Ryan's bring in the same type of staff to back him up to be successful and have some veteran leadership who will stand up to him or who will make, you know, help him make the right choices, I guess. Tell him when he's not going down the right path. Because I don't think anybody told Hackett he wasn't doing the things or doing things correctly or doing things right. No, I agree. And, you know, from everything you hear is that he hired a bunch of his buddies. And at that point, it's like, you know, who's really there to keep you accountable for your actions? Sometimes you do need that adult in the room. And I think, to me, D'Amico Ryans can be that adult in the room. He's, you know, a hard-nosed guy from everything I've seen. Same with Dan Quinn. So that's why I like both those options. But it is who you bring in. And speaking of, you know, who who you're, you know, who those guys or who Ryans would bring in as his, you know, offensive side of the coaching staff. See Matt Smith, you know, fill-in host, weekend host here, you know, going off on Twitter about, oh, wow, we're going to go with Ryans? How is this ever going to fix Russ? How is, you know, you expect him to fix Russ? He's just a defensive guy. Oh, and then I guess that means we're punting on Russ, and then you think Ryans is going to develop the new rookie head or the new uh, rookie quarterback? Like, what does all this mean? I couldn't disagree more. I think D'Amico Ryans comes from a system in San Francisco where you don't need to fix Russ if the other 20 or what is it, 21 starters on the team are good at their job, the quarterback is just kind of plug and play at that point. So I really think that getting Russ right is more about getting everything around him right and not trying to rely on Russ to get it right. I think if you have, you know, a Kittle at tight end, an Ayuk at wide receiver, uh, a Debo Samuel at receiver, Christian McCaffrey at running back, if you get everything else to kind of work the way it should work, 
it doesn't really matter who's playing quarterback or if you know Russ is you know broken or fixed, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So I really think that D'Amico Ryan, if he can get the defense right, if he can get the run game right, if he can get the offensive line right, I think that alone will just elevate Russ with it. So yes, I think it's important who you bring in to you know coach Russ and you know the future quarterback after him most likely, but. I don't think it's as important as, you know, guys are saying it is where it's I think it's a lot of the other guys on the roster. If you can get them right, Russ will get right himself. You know, you know, and as far as that goes, yeah, it's the other guys. But you see it in San Francisco where Ryan's is at right now. They have Mr. Literally Mr. Irrelevant is their quarterback leading them on a Super Bowl run. So what does that say? It is putting the right people in place. And. That is going to go to Peyton and management with this upcoming draft. And it's a shorthanded draft for the Broncos. So they're already kind of starting behind the eight ball because of the loss of draft picks. So Russ needs to get right, right enough though, because he is going to have to make some more plays because he doesn't have the same playmakers as a San Francisco does. So he doesn't. But again, I think if you get everything else closer to getting right, you know, hopefully Tim Patrick will be healthy next year. I think Jerry Judy took a step forward. I think, you know, Dulcich can be a good tight end. I think the offensive line definitely needs some work. But I think Javante and, you know, we saw Latavius Murray, you know, kind of carried the ball pretty well this year. So I think I think if you can get everything else right around him, Russ will naturally kind of elevate. And I think especially the last coaching staff just put too much on Russ which I think was unfair to Russ almost, but I think Russ wanted it, which I don't think he knows what was best for him yeah. at that point. <laughs> but I think he wanted it, but I, I really think they put too much on his plate, and I think we've seen it in the NFL. It's a lot easier to play quarterback with less on your plate. I think Brock Purdy's proven that. I think you see Jalen Hurts has kind of proven that. That roster in Philly is oh. incredible everywhere. So it's like, hey, Jalen Hurts, you just kind of do what you got to do. You don't have to go out there and play superhero ball, you know, like, I think there's two ways to win the NFL. You can have your quarterback do that, or you can have the rest of the roster stacked. Because yeah, I think you see it in Philly with the rest of the roster stacked. And then you kind of see, since he's got not a bad roster themselves, but you see Joe Burrow kind of going out there and doing it all. You kind of see Josh Allen did that this year, where it's like, yeah, roster's not bad, but it was a lot on Josh Allen's plate. And, you know, kind of crumbled in the end in, uh, in that playoff loss. Yeah, they had no running game in Buffalo. That's really what hurt them in a big way. I, I mean, at all. James Cook was supposed to be something, but they didn't give him a chance. Even going back, what Philly did for Jalen Hurts in was it like the twentieth pick in the draft they traded for AJ Brown? I mean, it was it was nothing really. It wasn't a big a big deal, and him coming in giving him another weapon. You're right. The surrounding cast is so good that I mean, not Jalen Hurts is an unbelievable quarterback, athlete, quarterback, everything. And I wasn't trying to say that about yeah. any of those guys, but I'm just saying I think. It takes a lot, of, a lot of pressure off the quarterback when the rest of the roster is stacked the way they are. Yeah, and that's where I was going is because, because he is surrounded also by all these other players. It gives him options because it isn't just the one person, the one wider. You know, you don't only have to have eyes for one. And as far as Russ, Russ did, it felt like even, especially in like Thursday night football, that Thursday night football game where he threw the pick in the end zone, which you know anyone who listened to Sherman after the game was like, "What is Russ doing? It's the same play." And it was like Russ just kept trying to prove that he was right and could make that same play over and over again. And that wasn't progression and learning that you have an opportunity to make a different choice. And that, that even goes back to my coach, you know, coaching thing. Like hopefully these second time coaches, if it is one for Denver, learn from their past mistakes 
and change that. And Russ just needs someone to tell him, no, 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 we're going this way and follow follow what we're doing. This this will work. Exactly. I think you've heard a bunch. It's more about the team, less about Russ. And I think Ryan's can bring that. And I think whoever the new coaches should bring that. But I think Ryan's has that instilled in him from San Francisco because that's just kind of the way San Francisco has been rolling the last couple of years, whether it was, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo or they had Troy Lance in there. And now they have Brock Purdy in there. And I think they've kind of realized, hey, it maybe doesn't really matter who's back there. We're kind of going to figure it out anyway, and I think we're going to be okay. So, Do you think if Ryan's does come here that that helps? DJ Jones was kind of checked out at the end of the year. Do you remember some of his comments about, like, well, I'm here now kind of thing? Yeah, I think that was a lot to do with his contract as well. But. Yeah, but do you think that might help him stay a little bit longer? I think the defense is going to love having a defensive guy here. Yeah. I think after... Coach Hackett was here last year, and it was all about the offense. It was all about the offense. I remember before the season started, I asked Zach By, and I go, are we sure the offense is going to be the strong point of this team? And he was like, are you kidding me? Of course it is. Mm, and nope. look how that aged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you could not, uh, you know, disagree more with that at the after in the postseason. It's like, yeah, no, obviously the offense was not the strong point. So I think the defense is going to love having a defensive guy here. I think they're going to love having a guy that's going to ride them and that's going to support them and that's going to brag about them. And they're going to kind of be the talk of the team, as they should. Yeah, so yeah, they, they are the best. I mean, they're the best unit between the three of them, special teams, defense, and offense, by far and away. Yeah. Most talented, best group out there. Yeah, no, no question on that. So I, I do think having a defensive guy where they can kind of lean into that, I think they just need to lean into that identity and just be a tough-nosed football team and – let kind of like the old Seattle days where it's like, Russ, you just kind of do your job, do your job only, and we're going to be okay because everybody else is – the defense is going to be great, the run game is going to be great, and you have you know a couple weapons here and there, maybe not you know top-end weapons, but enough, in my opinion, where – and hopefully since we're not – you know sounds like Sean Payton's out off the table as well. Hopefully they get to keep that first-round pick and use it somewhere um, – I don't know where, you know, we can get that's, yeah. you know, topic for another day of yeah. uh, what the Broncos should do with that first round pick. But at least they're going to be able to use it on the field and versus, you know, giving it up to the Saints for Sean Payton. So anything yeah. else you got on the coach? You know, I was just going to say with that defensive mentality, it also brings kind of a toughness mentality with the running game. I can't remember the last time the Denver Broncos had a running game that someone was really afraid of. And they should be afraid of a guy like Javante Williams. I think so, too. I think he's a stud. I think he's a yeah. top-five running back in this league. And I think if you give him a gr- good offensive line and the right coaching mentality of run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, I think he can be a star in this league. Yeah. If Javante Williams was on the Pittsburgh Steelers, he would overtake Najee Harris. I mean, he, he almost got overtaken by another rookie this year. But literally, Javante Williams is that type of talent. He is. He is. And I think he was underutilized. And I think if this team... To be successful, I think they do need to be that defensive run-the-ball mentality, and I think Domingo Ryan is going to bring that. It'll be interesting, like you said, who brings along the offensive side. I know Brian Greasy's been a hot name. Yeah, um, He's the quarterback's coach in San Francisco. Not a lot of experience, so yeah. not exactly checking that off the list, but I wouldn't hate to see it. Uh-huh. I think he's done a good job in San Francisco, but I also it's one of those where how much is Brian Greasy and how much of it is Kyle Shanahan? Uh, you know, all I can think is every time I hear Greasy is, I don't know why Greasy would come here because then he's living in John Elway's shadow once again. <laughs> I mean, he he was the quarterback after Elway, and that was just, I can't imagine what that must have been like for him because that's just, 
And then he then he's back in Denver, and oh man, I think he'd be well. I, I'm a little I, I'm newer. You you know welcome. Denver, but I think he'd be welcome with open arms, and I think the fans would actually like having him back yeah. in town. Well, I think he got more of a raw deal because everyone. I remember watching one of his first games, and he was trying to get uh, the the uh, defense offsides, and the announcers were just saying, "Oh, what is? Who does that sound like when he does a huh? It's like, oh, that sounds a little like someone who used to wear number seven. And it was just like, guys, you're putting un fair pressure on this young quarterback who he knows he's following a hall of famer. He's no, he's, he's following the face of a franchise. Don't do that. And so he got kind of a raw deal here. I just, man, I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know if that would work. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, the opposite of falling up John Elway would be falling up Nathaniel Hackett as far as play calling. <laughs> so I think at least he's going to have that, uh, you know, a good person to follow up yeah. in, you know, expectations wise. So, all right, let's move on. We got Nuggets and Avs. Hot in the streets. They are, you know, Avs won six in a row. Nuggets are on a complete tear, number one in the West, I believe. And Nuggets, as of now, are the favorite to win the West. As they should be. Uh, you know, last night you have uh, Steph Curry throwing his uh, mouthpiece and getting ejected uh, before the man he threw the mouthpiece over ends up hitting the game-winning shot for the Warriors. Uh, the West is its just all, it's all muddled together. Everyone's in it. And so I don't see a lot of movement, especially like big trade, trade deadline acquisitions for a lot of teams besides a team like the Nuggets, who are number one, who might make a big splashy play for someone to bring them in and really bolster them. There's just a lot of teams that are really fighting it out. And sometimes when you get a muddled mess like that, the teams just beat up on each other over and over again. And when you're the lead dog, they're not as focused on you because not that they can't catch you, but they're more worried about the person that's right in front of them or the person who's right behind the team that's right in front or behind them. Not that person way far ahead. All right. So there's two things that you just said that I want to touch on. Um, Kind of take it in whatever order you want. One, do you think there's something to keep – to keeping the roster construction as is because they've been doing so well, the chemistry does seem to be there. Do you think it would maybe throw that off a little bit by bringing in this other guy that you're talking about? See, and, and like a guy like Hachimura would have been a really good guy to bring in that the Lakers just brought in. Uh, that that shot is just a consistency there because we, we've all seen Michael Porter Jr. have hot and cold nights. Uh, he, he's much more consistent a guy that off the bench, you need that offense in that second unit to just really just hit some threes and keep you, you know, get you back into a game. That would have been nice. It's tough to mess with the chemistry, but also you got to realize that some of this chemistry has already been messed with. You know, uh, there was Michael Porter Jr. Missed some games. Uh, or almost just went LeBron. I don't know why I went LeBron. Um, Jamal Murray, Jamal Murray had, the you know he's not playing some of the back-to-backs early on these guys really have only started to play together a lot you know as far as the whole group and now there's been Jokic in and out with a wrist and a hamstring so I don't know if these guys are really a just single cohesive unit where you bring in another piece at this moment that it's not going to change and I'd even mention uh Jeff Green you know Jeff Green was out three weeks with a wrist you know here I'll make it simple for you do you want the Nuggets to bring in a starter or rotational player? Rotational. Okay, so no one yeah. keep the five as is. Yes. Okay, so yeah, you know I, maybe that sixth, seventh, eighth guy off the bench. Yeah, and, and and that's and that's mostly because in the playoffs you're not going deep on your bench also, and we all know eight Michael, man at the most. Probably. We all know Michael Malone isn't going to play a rookie as much as we like Brown. He's not going to play that much in the playoffs, and that's what this team needs to build their roster for is a playoff run. DeAndre Jordan isn't the answer in the playoffs. It's not going to be Brown. 
it's it's got to be a veteran guy off the bench, and that's why I said the guy like Hachimura with his with his shot would be would have been a great fit. You know, wasn't in the cards this year. Okay, awesome. I was actually uh, I was texting with uh, Zach By the other day because there's you know rumblings of Bones Highland not being too happy to be in Denver anymore. I proposed I'm so you know admitted Suns fan here. I proposed Jay Crowder for Bones Highland. Is that the kind of guy you'd want to see here? You know that's that's a type of that that is a that's an influx of energy. I I don't know if you remember uh, the manimal uh, Ken, uh, Fareed. When oh, he definitely. Was, you know that, that that's the kind of energy that the second unit does miss because that was up and down the court and he's a defensive guy too. He's yeah. he's a bull. He's gonna guard and which I think I was so I was saying it's kind of a win win when I was texting with Zach. Nuggets can add a defensive wing, which, you know, Michael Porter Jr. not really known for his defense. No. So I think, you know, Jay Crowder can kind of make up for that a little bit. Jamal Murray's not really known for his defense either. So kind of a wing defender, high IQ guy. He's been to the finals a couple times, went with Miami, went with Phoenix. So I actually think it'd be a great fit for them. I also would love to see Bones Highland in a Suns uniform. I think <laughs> I love Bones, and I think he would have an expanded role in Phoenix, especially with Chris Paul aging the way he is. And Chris Paul and Devin Booker have been injured a lot this year. So I think he would even get some starting time, especially now while those two guys are kind of you know in and out of the lineup. Booker's still not even back yet. So I think he would love his role in Phoenix. I, to me, it's a win-win. And I think you could see Bones kind of growing in his role, especially, you know, I think Chris Paul only has one or two more years on his deal where maybe Bones is that guy that takes over afterwards. Yeah, and that that's a very good point because I don't think Bones Highland will really see his time in Denver through his contract. So maybe, I mean, do right by him in a way, but also make your roster better for this season. Cause this is uh Crowder's last year on the contract. I believe it is. It is. Um, and so, and nothing's in the NBA. They love expiring contracts. Yes. So that's huge for Denver too. That means get some cap space next year, which I think would be good for him. So I think there's some details in terms of contract stuff. Cause Joy Crowder is making a lot more money than bones yes. Island. So you'd have to make that stuff work. But to me, I think that's a win-win for both sides. And I think it's kind of the player you're talking about where off the bench, but he can still add some valuable minutes. He's reliable. He's trustable out there. High IQ guy, and you know he's gonna he's gonna hold people accountable on his team. And but he's also gonna play some hard defense for these guys that I think that maybe Crowder and or not Crowder that uh, MPJ and Jamal don't quite have. Well, and accountability. That's actually when you were going there. I was gonna say that right before you did because accountability is something I think this second unit doesn't have a lot of. I think that they go out there, they hear it from Malone off the bench. But you don't have a guy on the court literally telling you to go do this, go do that. And the high IQ part for Crowder, Nuggets fans have seen it with Crowder playing the Nuggets multiple times a year. He is He's one of those guys who's just, he's a pest. He, you know, he's he, a pest, <laughs> but he, he knows his role too. He's not yeah. going to go out there and jack up 20 shots a game. He knows his role. He's going to do his role, which I think is important with not messing up the chemistry yeah. as well. Yeah. So I think that'd be a good spot. And then something else you mentioned earlier about the Nuggets being the favorite and how the end, the West is kind of muddled together. Yeah, I think both of those are kind of mutually exclusive. I don't know if you can say everyone's on the same page, but the Nuggets are the favorite. So and I hear that a lot down in Denver. I hear, um, you know, DMac was saying something similar. Dan Jacobs was saying something similar. It's like, yeah, no, everybody's kind of in, you know, the same boat, but the Nuggets are the favorite. Can those two things exist at the same time? They, they can because the fact is that the Nuggets right now are are playing the best. You know uh, they have the they have the longest winning streak in the NBA this season, and they have a team that 
while they haven't all really, like I said, played together all at once, they're still the best complete team at this moment. All these other teams you look at, it's like, well, are are the Warriors going to do it again? You know, can they make it? Maybe once the playoffs hit, see what happens. I, I'm not. I wouldn't count the Warriors out, but they're a team that might try and make a move too at the deadline. The Lakers are already making the moves. I already mentioned with that they're just getting Anthony Davis back. But when you're when you're in that mess, it's hard to see so far ahead of you. You know, you can't see the forest through the trees type of saying. It's hard to see that other team way ahead when you're just focused on that next game or that team that's ahead of you and catching that team ahead of you. But when that's constantly changing, it's tough as an athlete to really change your perspective and just say, oh, we're going we're going after Denver. We're going after the number one seed. We've heard it here in Denver many, many times. We're just trying to get to – we're trying to beat this team and get the best seed possible. Not – Trying to take over the number one seed. So what do you have to say about teams that have kind of been there? The Clippers have kind of hung around in the playoffs there in the conference finals a couple of years ago. The Suns went to the finals a couple of years ago. The Mavericks were in the conference finals last year. You know, the Golden State's, you know, been in the finals, conference finals forever. It's one of those things where maybe those teams have kind of realized maybe we don't have to be the one seed. Because also I'd like to point out this. Last year's number one seed, Phoenix Suns, 64 games, lost in the second round. Year before that, Utah Jazz were the number one seed. I'm pretty sure they lost in the second round as well two years ago. So maybe the number one seed isn't actually all that important. I I mean, those two teams, I I believe everyone thought that the Jazz were fool's gold. I think so, too. I think the Suns is a little bit different where they peaked early. They peaked early, but also Chris Paul was playing way too much. and We've seen it time and time again and. I mean, we're not going to get in a ref conversation, but we know Chris Paul's playoff record with one certain ref uh, at the head. So there, there were there were a lot of screwy things, but yeah, you knew that. It seems like every year you can count on some things: Golden State Warriors making some sort of run in the playoffs and Chris Paul breaking down. Yeah, I will say so. <laughs> as a, it's as, unfortunate, but it's true. As a Suns fan, I'm almost happy he's been injured recently. Same with Devin Booker. I think it's one of those where it's like they've gone deep the last two years. Plus, if you throw, I think the was the bubble the year before. The bubble, yeah, the bubble, yes. Was. Okay, so the last three seasons because they were in that bubble, you know, the eight no bubble Suns, yeah. whatever. So um, deep into the bubble, and then they went finals, and then they lost in seven games in the second round last year. So I think they've had some long off seasons. So I do think them being injured now is almost a good thing in the long term for that team, and. I was looking at the odds. They're currently over three times, or the Nuggets are three times more likely to win the West as the Suns, oh, and wow. that might be you know delusional Suns fan of me, but I just think that's. I, I mean, a, we're not even at not the a good break. Yeah, so I can't agree with that. Yeah, I I just I, I do believe the Nuggets are a better team than the Suns right now. I don't know how much more because there's still so much more basketball to play, and anything can happen. But even going back to some of those teams you mentioned. The Clippers don't want to see the Nuggets at all. The Nuggets. You don't think so? You think they're no, scared of the Nuggets? Yes. The when when the Nuggets blew them out, they said, "Oh, we'll see you in L.A. next week." And guess what? The Nuggets said, "Okay, we'll see you in L.A. We're going to sit Joker and still beat you by double digits." It's the the Nuggets have the Clippers number. Same thing with the trail uh, with the Trailblazers. The Mavericks are one of those teams that that's a pretty even battle between the Nuggets. It's about 50-50, but the Warriors, that's a team the Nuggets don't want to end up being matched with. So I, I just don't think the Nuggets are really afraid of any of these teams. The Suns do have the Nuggets number from last year. 
But I'm not as worried. Two about years that. ago as well. Two years. Yeah. Suns and four. Two years. Suns and four. Oh my goodness. All right. Two teams we have not mentioned: Memphis and New Orleans. New Orleans has kind of been a hot team. They've missed Zion a little bit this year, but they're still kind of cruising along. Currently sit at the number four seed, 26 and 23, where everyone's kind of, you know, middled in that middle round. Like four seed to nine seed is all kind of the same record. So what do you what do you got in New Orleans and then Memphis with Jaw saying Jaw's not worried about the West, I'll nope. tell you that. No, uh Memphis scares me. Memphis is a team that the Nuggets they always seem to struggle. It, it seems like it's a closer game than it needs to be all the time. And even when the Nuggets were good and Memphis wasn't as good, they seem to struggle against them. So it's kind of like there, there's two teams for the Nuggets, uh, three teams that are kind of their kryptonite. It's Oklahoma City Thunder. It's I don't think you have to worry about them. Well, no, I know, but I'm just saying. Okay, no, it's I know. The Sacramento Kings and then it's Memphis Grizzlies. Those are three teams that the Nuggets, no matter how good or bad they are, they just struggle with those guys. So Memphis scares me especially because John Morant, I mean, he's unbelievable. He is. He makes plays that you see out there that no one else is making. So, all right, let's move on off NBA. If you had to guess just yes or no, you had to put, you know, $1,000 or whatever, put next month's rent on it. Do it just yes, no. Do the Nuggets win the West? Yes. Yes. Okay. You're that confident? Yes. Okay. Interesting. All right. You? Where, where do you sit on that? I would say you're, no. You're just saying the I would say no. Be, I'm not saying it's the Suns. I just think there's six teams at the top there, and I really think it's any. I think I could see. I could see the Pelicans. I could see the Grizzlies. I could see the Suns. I could see. I could. I could still see the Nuggets. Yeah. I'm not saying no to the Nuggets. I'm just saying I think they're not this lead dog. Okay. I think they're in the middle of the pack. But I think everybody's kind of in the middle of the yeah, pack. It, so I just think it's too early. I think we haven't even hit the all-star break. And I think it's too early to crown the Nuggets as this favorite to win the West. Because, again, last year the Suns, 64 games, set the franchise record. Like all this, you know, hoopla regular season didn't really translate to the playoffs. So I'm waiting to see they the Nuggets. Exactly. I'm waiting to see the Nuggets do it in the playoffs. Because I haven't really seen too much, you know, the bubble. I don't really count that. I haven't really seen too much playoff success from Jokic or this Nuggets team. No, and this this will be the first year that they have really that whole bubble cast together since the Jamal Murray injury. Exactly, and so, that is fair. They've been injured, but I still just, you know, I, I, yeah, I'm not waiting to, to see it. it. They've sucked yeah. in some of the playoffs. It's like, how did they – I don't even know how they beat Portland last year. That was, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I'm waiting, I, I got to see it. It's one of those where I, I've heard the hype too much, waiting to see it. Yeah. All right, we'll quickly touch on the Avs. Avs have kind of had an up-and-down year, a lot of injuries affecting them this year. Would – would you say, would you be surprised if they did go to the you know, the Stanley Cup Finals? Uh, would you be surprised if they get bounced in the second round? Where are you kind of landing on the Avs? I, I, well, would I be surprised if they got bounced in the second round? Unfortunately, I'd have to say no just because of past history and their second round failures. For the Avs, it feels like they're getting it together. It feels like things are happening, but then you have nights like the uh, The, the Avs need Gabe Landeskog back, and that's going to be one of the biggest things for them going forward after this all-star break is when does Gabe come back and can they find the right notes and can Bednar hit the right tune with these guys going into the playoffs because that's the same thing it's a pretty muddled mess uh, in the NHL to make the playoffs and the Avs are in now can they learn how to turn it on a la a Golden State Warriors team when the playoffs hit that's going to be the key because this is still a very young team they've done it once and so are they going to make the finals in hockey? We've seen eight seeds win the championship multiple times. So 
I, you know, I tell you right now, I wouldn't bet on them making the finals. Do I like their chance to? Yes, but would I plan on it? No, just because NHL is so screwy. And if one of these goaltenders, uh, Georgiev or Francois, gets in their head and get loose, or Francois gets hurt again, like the, you know, three years ago, and misses the playoffs, it's going to be tough. It's going to be very difficult. So, I, I would not be. I'm not as confident in them making the finals playoffs. Get there, see what happens now that they they are. But I want to see what it looks like when Landis Scott comes back first. Okay, yeah, and that's uh, you know interesting situation with Landis Scott because I've heard you know he's not even in the country at the moment. So that's what all the reports are. So let's say let's say he just misses the whole year. What would your ceiling be on this Avs team without him? Did doesn't play at all. Misses the whole year. Honestly, then. Everything could change because then he would be on long-term IR and the Avs would free up his salary cap space to bring in another guy. And it's who are they bringing in or which players are they bringing in? So if that is what ends up happening, uh, I mean, that's all bets off the table because they basically have an open checkbook with Landis Cog's uh, contract off the books. And they could bring anyone in for this season, uh, you know, a la a Ray Bork type of run the Avs had before. They nobody's off the table because Landis Gog is one of the highest paid players. Mm-hmm. Is Patrick Kane still in Chicago? I don't know if you... He... Did he ever get traded? No, he is still there. Because um, they... I know he was a hot name last year, and then this yeah. year as well, a hot name where he everyone kind of expects him to get dealt at some point. It's His is tough with the contract situation because he yeah. is making a lot of money, though. Yeah, and that, Maybe that... that's a good fit if Landis Gog does end up on that long time IR, though. And it's still just, you know, that fit. I, I think the time with Kane... I don't know if his – I think you're looking for someone a little bit more dynamic. Okay. I, I, I really think that if they bring someone in, they've got to be another goal scorer and take the pressure off of Miko and Nathan and Kale and get that second line scoring. That's, that's where they really need – you know, where they're missing it because they're missing the leadership of Landis Cog. He's not – He's not the most dynamic player, but he is, as the captain, you know, he is the leader of that. So if they bring someone in, it's got to be a big playmaker type of guy. All right, I like it. So, yeah. All right, all right, let's move on here. We got the NFL championship weekend, this let's conference go. championship this weekend, this weekend. Got a couple good games. We have, I believe, AFC championships first on Sunday, so we'll start there. Sorry, excuse me. NFC championship is first. We'll start there. The... Mr. Irrelevant led 49ers heading into the link in Philadelphia. What do you like? Philly. Uh, as good of a story as Brock Purdy is, and the 49ers are a great team. They're shattered by great talent. We mentioned that earlier. Both Philly. those teams. I would yeah. argue those two teams have the best rosters in football. Yeah, I think it's hard to argue against both those teams yeah. having the best roster in football. You know, that's... Yeah, I, I mean, I'm going over in my head. I'm like, yeah, they really kind of are. One through fifty-three. Yeah. I think it's really hard to argue, and I think the NFC got it right this year. I, I really don't think there's a better roster in the NFC than those two. Yeah, and Philly's got a swagger. You saw Sirianni in, on the sideline the other day. It, it's Philly's just got something about them that I think they're going. They are. This is this is their time to get. You know, they're going to make it this year, and I just as good as like I said, San Francisco is. I don't see them losing to San Francisco who you know don't take it lightly traveling across country the hostile environment at the link into Philly it's there's a lot going on and I don't know if you saw did you did you there was a last in last week's coin toss against the Giants literally one of the linemen 
for the Eagles, who was going out for the coin toss, was talking to the Giants. He's like, hey, 56, we're running to you all day, all day, all day. And then he goes to Daniel Jones. He's like, hey, eight, I'm going to be on you all day. Like, he, like 20 yards away, and he's just yelling at him. These guys have an attitude about them that, ooh, I, I, yeah. They really Not embraced pretty- Philadelphia, I'll tell you that. Because <laughs> I've heard from, you know, you see it on you know Twitter and whatnot from players. That's one of the hardest football stadiums to play football in. You get those fans and the things that they say to you on the field is like no other, you know, stadium in in the NFL. That's, you know, from everything you hear, it's just those fans are ruthless to these guys. And that's just kind of the Philly attitude. And I think the Eagles have kind of embraced that attitude. I think Sirianni's embraced that attitude. And I think they're just all Philly all the time at this point. So I think it's hard. Philly side, then? Where where are you leaning? Uh, So. I will say before the playoffs started, I had Bills Niners. Those okay. are those. That was my pick. So I think I'm gonna switch over to Philly, though. Especially after the Bills, you know, didn't turn out too well for uh, that pick for myself. But I think yeah, I think everything you said. I think Philly's tough. I think it's their time. I think their roster's a little bit better. I trust Jalen Hurts more than I trust Brock Purdy. Yeah. I trust the home team. I think if it's in San Francisco, it's a different story. But I really I do like Philly at home. They're just a mean team. They had that bye, which I think goes a long way coming this week especially. I think maybe last weekend doesn't really do as much, which I feel looks incredible already. But I really think that that off week they had really goes a long way starting this week. Yeah, because Jalen Hurts basically had uh, four out of five weeks to rest, or three out of five weeks, excuse me, to rest because he took two weeks off, played in the last game of the season, then had another week off, and then played last week. And even then, Minshew came in at the end of the game too, so... Exactly. Hurts should be fully back. Yes, exactly. I really do like that Philly team. I think they just have it going on. It's hard to bet against Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan, to me, is one of the best coaches in the NFL. And, you know, he's always going to scheme something up. But I don't know if you can scheme something up for that Philly's defense. That defense is mean. I think they're, I want to say, third all-time in sacks in, in NFL history. Yeah. They almost broke. Yeah, they almost broke the record this year. Yeah, they have. I want. I can't remember what the number is, but it's like three, four, five guys had double digit sacks this year. That team is mean. I think both of those defensive line though are the best two defensive line defensive lines in the NFL. So it's gonna be a real tough time. I think Philly just dominates that line of scrimmage though, and especially at home, I think it's gonna be tough for uh, Brock Purdy and company. So I'm gonna go with Philly. I think it's a close game, but I'm gonna go with Philly. All right, move on here. We got the AFC Championship. We got Joe Burrow coming off a huge win in Buffalo. No one was giving them any respect going out in Buffalo, and they are traveling to Burrowhead out in Kansas City. Hobbled Patrick Mahomes. What do you got? I mean, you said it right there. You literally just gave the Kansas City Chiefs all the bulletin board material they need. When you're calling it Burrowhead, it's... Sometimes you just need to shut up and go out and play the game. I'm sorry, Eli Apple. I'm sorry, all you guys. I know you guys have had a heck of a season, and I like what you've done. I like your swagger, but, man, get ready for some pipes bursting at those hotels in KC. Get ready for some late-night pizza deliveries because Kansas City is ruthless, and the Burrowhead thing, that is not going to age well for the Bengals. And the Chiefs, Andy Reid, everyone's reading it. Kelsey talked about it. You just... That's not a that's not a smart move going in. I agree. I think that I I, I didn't come up with Burrowhead. Obviously, no, that's, I know. Yeah, I know no, I, I know. Yeah. You were referring to that. I was just you know setting the record straight. I think that's not a good thing to be doing before the game. However, I did see a little bit of bulletin board going the other way. I don't know if you saw this. I can't remember who it was, but it was a Chiefs defensive player, 
and a reporter asks him, what's the most impressive part of the Bengals' offense? To which he says, nothing. Uh, Yeah. Nothing. So, a little reverse bulletin board material as well. I think at this point, both teams have as much motivation as you could possibly need. I got Cincy, actually. I think regular Mahomes, if Mahomes never gets rolled up on last week, I would take Kansas City. But I, I think... I just don't know how well he's going to be able to move, and it's hard to pick against Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's showed up every big game I've ever seen him play, and he's done well. He has, and it's hard It's hard to bet against it, but Mahomes still on a hobbled leg. The game that it happened still helped lead the Chiefs to victory, and regardless of it being over the Jaguars, who cares? They were still a playoff team, and they were a damn good team and a surprise this year. But I can't – Mahomes there, everything is pointing – that way, where I just feel like there's too much noise in Cincinnati, and there's feeling themselves a little too much. Yeah, and that's we we've seen that happen before with some other teams. You know, we talked about the anniversary of the Broncos Super Bowl. The Green Bay Packers felt themselves pretty good coming into that Super Bowl against the Broncos when they won their first one, and you saw what happened, and that's on the biggest stage of all. So. There's no doubt that the Chiefs, you know, these guys were both here. Both these teams were here last year, but I think the Chiefs learn and grow. And Andy Reid, I I feel like it's Andy Reid coming off a bye week, how he had never lost for years coming out of a bye week. Andy Reid going back to a championship game, not going to lose to the same team again. No, I like that train of thought. And I will say as far as feeling themselves, Joe Burrow was not feeling himself. After the game, it was business as usual. Joe Cool, it was job not done. It was, you know, Kobe Bryant, job not done. We got another one next weekend. And I think he's coming for revenge. Losing the Super Bowl last week's got to hurt, or last year's got to hurt. So as much as, you know, that is the storyline, I think Joe Burrow's going to get those guys in the right mindset at least. And I think, again, I think we're in for two good games. I can yeah. see any any matchup going forward. So I think it'll be a good good weekend of football regardless. And isn't it nice that either the way either of these matchups go, the Super Bowl is going to be good either way? I think so, too. And I'll actually uh, I'll be down in Phoenix that week. So oh. I'm excited. If we, I'm not, I probably won't be going to the game unless hey. somehow I'm gifted a ticket of some sort. But I'll be down in uh, Phoenix. So any, any kind of order of those, I think having Philly fans down there would be a lot of fun. Oh, I think they are going to cause a ruckus down there. So I'm, I'd be excited to see if Philly does make it just to see get, the get environment. Out of, get out of the snow into the Arizona heat. Exactly. Oh, everything's going to get real hot real yeah, quick down there. I, I'd be excited to see them down there. So actually, last thing here before we move on. I saw this take on Twitter. Do you think they should change the format to playing one of the championship games Sunday night and the other one Monday night? Given that there is the extra bye week. It wouldn't really affect the Super Bowl much, and it's just kind of would each each conference would have their own day. How do you feel about that? I understand that. I would much prefer if they were to do it. It would be a Saturday Sunday, just because it would keep the playoff schedule kind. It would keep the playoff schedule the same because not this year they just introduced the Monday Night Wild Super Wild Card Weekend game. If you keep one Saturday, one Sunday, the ratings I know won't be as good. That's why they want it on Monday night. So no, well, I don't it's like also it I, you don't want Monday. to give a team a short week. Yeah, coming off like let's say whoever won Sunday, I, who won Sunday? Uh, Sunday Sunday was the Bengals and what was the second? That Niners. Was the giant, Niners, yeah. Niners, so one Cowboys. of those teams would have a short week yeah. if they did Saturday, which I think would be unfair. That's why I'm in favor of the Sundays, Sunday Monday, and that's why I think it makes most sense. Or you know, obviously you could just leave it Sunday Sunday, but I think that would be why they would avoid doing the Saturday. Yeah, I still like one more full day of football. I do too, but that's why I'm a fan of the Sunday Monday. I think the Sunday Monday end up 
I liked the idea when I saw it. I was like, you know what? It makes a lot of sense. Each day would kind of have each conference would have their own little day. You could really put the prime time Sunday night football, Monday night football. You wouldn't have. I don't know. I just. It's, it's not bad. I just. It's. I. I don't, I'm not comfortable with it. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Maybe just. You know. It just seems a little weird. I haven't, to have. I haven't done it yet, so maybe you just got to give it a try. I mean, Monday but. night football for Super Wild Card Weekend was weird too. Yeah, I think like it just adds an extra day, though. I think it's kind of interesting. So I would, you know, I would, I would not be against it if that is something that I'd want to do in the future. I, I could, I could see myself liking that kind of one more extra day, day for, of football for people to buy Super Bowl tickets to resell to someone else in the mar- other market. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, well, that does it for me and Colin today. Thank you much. Thank you very much for listening. If you got to this far. We will uh, we'll have another producer's pod for you next week. Um, not I'm sure off the top of my head who the guest will be, but it should be Tuesday. Uh, so you can look out for that. Thank you very much, and you guys have a good weekend. See ya.